We are going to jump into a brand new series next week that, that really continues this theme that we've been chasing over the last half a year or so, right? That this Jesus who is, that we, we explored the life of Christ back in the summer, this, this Jesus who is invites you into a beautiful life and we just ended talking about what the beautiful looks like here. We ended that at the end of December and despite our, our very American draw to the personal and individual implications of our relationship with Jesus, this beautiful life is most clearly seen in our life together. And so we're going to spend the next two months or so looking at how, how this beautiful life that Christ invites you into is, is best realized, shines brightest in community, shines brightest through our life together. But before we go there, we need to end our conversation that we started last week. We need to land our conversation about the the mission and the vision and our call as a church. This is a conversation that I'm, I'm making a set piece for us in January at the beginning of each and every new year. And it's, it's simply spending time to remind us of, of who God calls us to be and what God calls us to do as a church. And so as we started this conversation last week, we talked about the, the importance of roadmaps, that, that every single one of us, whether you realize it or not, we have a roadmap, a perspective, a way of navigating this life that tells us this is how life works. And it's not just true for us as individuals, it's also true when groups of people come together and this is where mission and vision come in and it's, it's our mission and our vision as, as a church that provides for us as a church a, a roadmap that guides everything that we are all about. And so our roadmap is critically important. It's important that we are taking our turn-by-turn directions off of the right roadmap. And the roadmap that guides us as a church is not something that I get to make up as the pastor. It is not something that our leadership board gets to conjure up, not something that you get to make up. The, The roadmap that we pull our direction from is the roadmap that's been given to us by Jesus himself. It's Christ's mission for the church, and it's found in Matthew 28. And we call this thing the great co-mission. It's Christ's mission to you and I, and it's this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Christ's mission to you and I is go and make disciples, and this passage even gives us Jesus' own definition of what he means by disciple. It's someone who obeys all, all the commands that he has given to us. And so our MBIC capture of this Matthew 28 roadmap, and here's how we state it, it's this, to initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ. And as we look at how the early church formed their very lives around this mission, we drove to this absolutely critical point. And I brought to you a quote that I used last year when we had this same conversation. And it's so critical that I need to bring it back this year. And the quote is this. Ultimately, each church will be evaluated by only one thing, its disciples. 
Your church is only as good as its disciples. It does not matter how good your praise preaching programs or property are. If your disciples are passive, needy, consumerist, and not moving in the direction of radical obedience, your church is not good. And the questions that we pulled from that quote were these. Are we as a church moving in the direction of radical obedience? Are you moving in the direction of radical obedience in your own life? And because for most of us, when we hear those words radical obedience, those words sting. So I know that that my, my, my own obedience on most days is anything but radical And I'm I'm sure that it's the same with you. And because I know that's true, I ended with an even better set of questions for us. And those questions were this. How are we as a church moving deeper into the radical love of Jesus? And to make that personal, how are you moving deeper into the radical love of Jesus? Because here's the thing. Radical obedience, to take those words out of that quote, or discipleship, to use that disciple word that we see in Matthew 28, or growing in your relationship with Christ coming from our our MBIC mission statement, that way of life is is only possible if if you are, are on a journey, and it is a journey that most days feels like two steps forward and one step back, but that kind of life is only possible to you if you are growing in your understanding of just how deeply Christ loves you. And so this is where we stopped last week. And I told you that, that if you get this love piece right, then discipleship, a growing relationship with Christ will be your roadmap's destination. And I want to spend time with that same idea this morning, how, how moving deeper into the radical love of Jesus has got to be your starting point when you talk about your, your, your growing relationship with Christ. Again, that's our mantra as a church. And to get us there, I'm going to have us camp out on Ephesians chapter 3. The words that we read pretty much at the close of every Sunday. But before we pull apart Ephesians chapter 3, and how that impacts our vision as a church. Let me pray for us. Let's pray. Father, in this moment I want to recognize that you are present here. You are here in this space. You are here among us. You are here within us. I wanna draw a line in the sand to recognize your presence and that we are also here to be present to you. And so as we gather around your word, May we see, may we hear, may we experience you. May we experience the love that you have for us through your son Jesus, even though it blows our minds. And for that we thank you. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 
So in Ephesians 3, before we jump into our passage, Paul has been been writing to this church family, this church in Ephesus that is near and dear to his heart. And Paul offers up this prayer, and we're jumping into the story just as Paul has finished talking about how how this good news of Jesus has been has graciously come to this church in Ephesus and how Paul had the privilege of bringing that message to them. Ephesians chapter 3 starting in verse 14. Paul writes, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And then here's the prayer. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And Paul explains what he means by this, right? The power that he's talking about here in verse 16 comes from Christ making his home in us. That gets us to verse 17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. As we throw open the the doors of our lives, the doors of our hearts, wider and wider that Jesus might truly be at home in our lives. As we give God access to every part of who we are, that there's no part of our lives that are out of bounds to him. No locked doors, that, that, that we, we, we're not hiding stuff in the back of the closet. And as we, we throw open the doors of our lives to God, and that is a vulnerable thing, so we are invited to anchor to, to be grounded in, to sink our roots deeply into the vastness of God's love. Verse 18, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. And this isn't just an invitation to, to, to head knowledge know his love, to theoretically know God's love, to informationally know God's love. This is an invitation to experience deep in your guts God's love. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Sounds kind of like a beautiful life to me. And then Paul closes his prayer. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, following this prayer, if we hop into the next chapter or two, Paul starts to talk about the behaviors that I think that you and I tend to think of when, when we picture, when we think of, of, of radical obedience, discipleship, a growing relationship with Christ. In the next chapter or, or two, Paul says, and this is just a sampling of what we see there, be humble and gentle. Be patient. Make unity a big deal. Stop telling lies. Don't let anger control you. If you're a thief, knock it off, quit stealing. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words. Let there there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Be careful how you live. 
Husbands and wives, here's how life works best. Kids and parents, here's how, here's how life at home works best. Guidance for work relationships. So, so, so Paul does produce a list. Yup, here's how to live. And nope, don't live this way. But that's not where he starts. The place that Paul goes to right before his list of behaviors is this prayer that that this church family would, would open the doors of their lives more and more and more to allow Jesus to get super comfortable. And as they do that, that they would be anchored to and grounded in and rooted in the extravagant vastness of Christ's love for and to them. And so that's why I said last week, yeah, these are good questions, right? These are good questions. But, but following Paul's pattern here in Ephesians chapter three and pretty much anywhere where Paul gives us a list of do this or don't do this, Paul is always gonna start with, with Jesus and his incredible love and that's why even though these are good questions, even though these are important questions, we have to start here. How are we as a church moving deeper into the radical love of Jesus? How are, are you moving deeper into the radical love of Jesus? And that's why as a church, our very first vision point is we are Jesus-centered in all that we do. That we communicate the gospel, God's reconciling work through, through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In all of our environments, everything that we do, not just as the entry point to heaven, but that we all need Christ at every turn. Just in the same way that before Paul talks about behavior, before Paul talks about radical obedience in the book of Ephesians, Paul leads off with how God has loved you and I through Jesus. And Paul invites us to sink our roots even deeper into that love. That's why our very first vision point starts with being centered on Jesus. It's why our very first vision point is the gospel. It's been on our MBIC leadership board and I to figure out, okay, right, we've got this vision point, but what does it look like for us to, to tangibly, concretely grow out of that vision point? And for this first vision point, we came to the conclusion that, yeah, there are tangible things that we can do to drive this. Like if you are not coming out of of, of every single one of our weekly gatherings reminded just how much God loves you through Jesus. If that's not being communicated by what we say and what we sing and what we do every single week over and over and over, then we are doing this church thing wrong. So there are tangible things that we can do to drive this Jesus-centered vision point, yet this, this vision point, this very first vision point is the glue that holds all of our other vision points together, is, is really the, the thing that all of our other vision points build off of. Right now, our leadership board is working through this vision point. We encourage and equip our MBIC family for all of life worship. 
As the gospel puts down roots in our lives, we desire to grow in surrendering our lives, our preferences, and agendas as we seek God's glory. And I gotta tell you that our conversation is bouncing around this question. Is the way that we do church set up to help you with all of life worship? Surrender. Radical obedience, if you will, to do that well. If Jesus weighs in through his Matthew 28 statement where he says, obey all the commands that I have given you, those commands will touch every part of your life. And so if if I ask you, where, where is Jesus right now knocking on the door of your life? Say, hey, there's this thing in your life that goes directly against what I want for you. And I know that we all have areas in our, our life like that. And so, so what is your plan to bring that area under the control, under the authority, under the lordship of Jesus? For that area in your life, what is your plan? And how is MBIC being helpful to you in that plan or not? And how can we be of greater help to you? It's what our leadership board is wrestling with right now. It'll be a major part of our conversation when we meet tomorrow night. Our prayer vision point. We push prayer deep into our environments. It's why on a Sunday morning you'll see, you'll see people praying before our, our, our first service, right? So, so before first service, a group meets here and we pray. Before first and second service, you'll see uh, a small group in the corner of, of this section praying. In the prayer room praying. It's why in a couple of weeks, as our Guatemala team gets set to leave, we'll have them come out into our aisles and we'll gather around them and we'll lay hands on them and we'll pray for them as they get ready to go out. It's why we've got a prayer team down front at the end of each and every service. And the prayer team actually asked me to let you know that they've got a few spots as we start this brand new year, a few spots open on our prayer team. And so if you would like to be part of that group that prays with people and for people at the end of our services, just email me. My email address is there. This is my short little commercial for the morning. Right, no commitment, just hey, I want more information about the prayer team. If you email me, I will get that information to you on what being part of that prayer team looks like. We encourage and equip our MBIC family in their missionary identities. This is why we send out teams to places like Guatemala and other locations in our world. This is why we send teams all over the U.S., and to different places within our state. This is why we send out teams from MBIC each summer to help our community through the Mannheim Project. This is why we collect food in November for our Mannheim Central Food Pantry. This is why we are one church of several sponsoring a home of hope, a house in the borough that is set up to give a family facing homelessness a chance to get back on their feet. This is why we send our youth pastors into our schools. 
This is why we're expanding our children's ministry and adult faith formation spaces as we reach out to the people that God is bringing to us here. And then lastly, we create a culture of love and welcome and belonging. It's why if you're new to Mannheim BIC, we will, if we can catch you, we will look to put one of these packets in your hand that explains who we are as a church family and some ways that you can begin to plug in with us. It's why if you go to to our our website, and this is brand new, you'll find that on that very first lead-in page, there's a button there that says, I'm new, and gives you an overview of what to expect if this is your first visit with us. This is why on most Sundays, we invite you to turn and to greet those that are around you, and I know that our introverts hate that. Like, I know that. But yet... Whether this is your first time here, you've only been here for 30 minutes, or this is your gazillionth time here and you have been here for 30 years, it's important that we welcome you with the warmth and the love of Jesus. And I could go on here listing out the ways that, that our vision points are driving our culture here, but, but I'll stop there for now. You know, yesterday as I was trying to figure out how do, I, how do I end this conversation, I found that tough. Because while I need to hit on our vision points that impact our life together, I at the same time want to make this conversation real for you. And so let me once again come back to this question that I left you with last week, right, that we've talked about again this week. And tell you that if, and you are the only one that can decide this, that if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, right, that, that is our MBIC mission, to initiate and nurture a growing relationship with Christ. If you tell me, Brian, I, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus, and I hope that that is every single one of us here in this room, but if you tell me that you really, you really want to nurture and grow that relationship, the, the place that I'm going to invite you to look at closely is, and again, it's the same question, how are you moving deeper into your experience of the radical love of Jesus? If you really want to grow your, your relationship with God, how, how are you moving deeper experientially in your guts knowing God's crazy love for you. This past week I was reading a guy who writes prolifically about spiritual transformation. And I found this and I'll close with this. He wrote, I'm convinced that his name is David Benner. I'm convinced that God loves each and every one of us with depth, persistence, and intensity beyond imagination. God doesn't simply like you nor does God simply have warm sentimental feelings toward you. Like the father's love in the parable of the prodigal son, divine love is absolutely unconditional, unlimited, and unimaginably extravagant. Neither knowing God or knowing yourself can progress very far unless it begins with the knowledge of how deeply we are loved by God. Until we dare to believe that nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing that we could do or fail to do, nor anything that could be done by anyone else to us, 
That's Romans 8. We remain in the elementary grades of the school of Christian spiritual transformation. In order for our knowing of God's love to be truly transformational, it must become the basis of our identity. That's so important, I'm going to read it again. In order for our knowing of God's love to be truly transformational, it must become the basis of our identity. With sadness, I confess how seldom this is true for me. Although I've always wanted to avoid being defined by my my work title, when asked to introduce myself, I'm likely to resort to the common social practice of trotting out my vocational designation. But even more telling, if my self-esteem is threatened and I feel that my identity is, is, is a bit vulnerable, my almost automatic first response is to think of accomplishments or present and future projects that make me look good. What this tells me is that much more than I usually care to acknowledge, my identity is based on what I do, not who I am. Christ presents a particularly poignant contrast to this. His identity was defined by his relationship to his father. This was who he was. His whole life flowed out from this. What he did was not the basis of his identity, but rather it pointed to who he was. Even when Jesus felt God, or that God had abandoned him in the Garden of Gethsemane, his confidence in the love of the Father was so great that he still desired God's will over his own. Jesus knew that he was loved whether or not he felt it. His identity was grounded in God. Coming to know and trust God's love is a lifelong process. Making this knowledge the foundation of our identity or better, allowing our identity to be reformed around this most basic fact of our existence will also never happen instantly. Both lie at the core of the spiritual transformation which is the intended outcome of Christ's following. Every time I dare to meet God in the vulnerability of my sin and shame, this knowing is strengthened. Every time I fall back into a self-improvement mode and try to bring God my best self, it is weakened. I only know God's unconditional, radical, and reckless love for me when I dare to approach God just as I am. The more I have the courage to meet God in this place of weakness, the more I will know myself to be truly and deeply loved by God. And the more deeply I know this love, the easier it will be to trust, to trust it as Christ did, preferring God's will to my own. That preferring God's will to my own, that is, as it grows, radical obedience. That is being a disciple. That is what a growing relationship with Christ looks like And it all starts with experiencing God's love for you. So how are you moving deeper into the radical love of Jesus?